We are doing a series at the moment called Why Bother, in which we are revisiting some very kind of fundamental and basic things about what we uh, believe and practice as a church. We thought this would be helpful as we are in the season that we're in. And this morning, we're thinking about reading the Bible, which is about as basic as it can get. Why bother to read the Bible? Now, for me personally, the Bible very much shapes my life. My uh, typical morning, pretty much every morning, begins the same way. I come down stairs, uh, kick the dog out into the garden for a wee, uh, make a cup of coffee, open my Bible and read. That's what I do pretty much every day of my life. And the Bible really has, has shaped my life for, for my whole life. When I was 13, I uh, felt a conviction that I ought to read the Bible. And I opened it at Genesis chapter 1, and I kept reading right through to the end of Revelation. It took me uh, two years, but by the time I was 15, I'd, I'd read the Bible cover to cover, and uh, in the 10 years since then, I have uh, read it. You missed that one again. You missed that one. Uh, in, the, in the many years since I was 15, I have uh, read the Bible many, many times. And the Bible uh, shapes our life as a church, the things that we believe, the things we practice, the things which we understand to be true. I found this great quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, but always good for a pithy quote. He says this, if someone comes with a doctrine allegedly taught and revealed by the Holy Spirit, I cling to this word, word of scripture, and apply it uh, to his doctrine as the proper touchstone. If I see that it agrees with the words of Christ, I consider it true and good. But if it deviates from them and presents something else, I declare, you are not the Holy Spirit, you are the devil. For the true spirit comes in the name of no one else but Christ. And he teaches nothing but what Christ has said. Now, this means that reading the Bible is very much central to who we are as a church and what we do, what we understand to be true are the words of Christ revealed to us through the words of Scripture. The Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture for us so that we can see Jesus and hear his word to us. And I want to use a story, a great story from the Old Testament to help us uh, see why we should read the Bible and uh, what it does for us. Uh, we're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 8. I've asked Grace to uh, come and read the scripture as third message of the morning in. My voice is getting a little bit tired. So Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through to 12. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in their square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon, as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra and the teacher of the law stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them, and as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, 
Amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I'm skipping that bit, aren't I? Sorry. Um, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been known to them. The scene here is that the people of Jerusalem had been taken into exile in Babylon. As a consequence of their repeated failings, the nation had really fallen apart. The king of Babylon had come and had carried people off into exile in Babylon. And 70 years later, a group of them return and begin to rebuild Jerusalem. And it's been tough work. It's been opposed. They're a small beleaguered community surrounded by other hostile people. There's been all kinds of internal tensions and problems. It's been hard going. And now the people gather together to hear God's word being read. And the application to us is immediately obvious that we've been in a tough season too. Just talking to a number of people this morning who were saying they're kind of struggling at the moment. It's been a hard season and this is a time when we need to hear the word of God. We see that they desired the word. It says in verse 1, they told Ezra to bring out the book of the law. That's something which a preacher wants to hear. The people saying, bring out God's word and teach it to us. That's what these people did. They, they, they knew that they needed it. They were hungry for it. And there should be a hunger for the word of God amongst us too. A, 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 a desire to get our teeth into God's word. And then it says, Verse 3, that Ezra read it aloud from daybreak till noon. Now that's a long sermon. It's hours and hours of reading and preaching. And you don't get the impression here that they were tapping their watches, checking their sundials, saying, oh, come on, time to wrap this thing up. At, at the moment, because of how we're having to operate with, need to have shorter services because of having to run three services and Nobody wants to be sitting behind a mask for longer than an hour and all the rest. Everything's, everything's shrunk down. We're, we're preaching for a shorter time than we normally would. We're doing everything quicker than we normally would. And, and there, you know, there's no virtue in long sermons. I've certainly sat through many sermons, which I wish had been a lot shorter than they were. But uh, we shouldn't just kind of snack on the Word of God. We should feast, want to feast on God's Word. That's what these people did they? they were hungry for it. They desired the word of God and they listened intently for hours as it was taught. We see that they listened together. The whole community listened. Men and women and all who were able to understand, all the people listened 
attentively. This was a people who were being shaped by the word of God, the whole people. This wasn't something that was just being left to those who were particularly keen or those who had some particular kind of expertise or knowledge. No, the, the whole community were responding to, listening to, being shaped by the word of God. And if you're devoted to something, you'll pay attention to it and you'll learn from it. In the book of Acts, the story of the first church, after, immediately after the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 people respond to Peter's preaching and turn in faith to Jesus, what we read is they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There was a hunger for the word of God. They all listened to it. They devoted themselves to it, and they listened to it. And we need to be a community that listens to God's word and is shaped by it. And it says that they all listened and all were able to understand. And that all implies that this was not just the adults, the men and the women, and all who were able to understand paid attention. This implies that young people and children were listening and understanding, paying attention. And I think we need to have expectations for our kids. If you've got kids at home still, we should have expectations for our children being able to pay attention to and understand and learn the Word of God. Now, I know I was unusual starting to read the Bible in Genesis at the age of 13 and continuing it through to Revelation. I wouldn't actually recommend that to anybody if you're starting to read the Bible. I wouldn't say read it to cover to cover in quite that, that way. But, you know, I wasn't particularly good at school. I got pretty average grades. I didn't enjoy school very much, but I knew that I needed to read the Word of God. And we should, I think, have expectations for our kids. Too often we can expect too little. We live in a dumbed-down culture where we're dumbing things down all the time until we just get dumb and dumber. And in the church, we should actually raise the game. And I think one of the things we've been thinking about over lockdown when we couldn't meet at all was the importance of households, about how families and households operated in the house. And I know lots of families in the church did start to read the Bible and pray together in ways they hadn't previously, and that's great. So one of the things we're having a conversation about as elders is how we can further equip and encourage household worship and devotion to God's Word. And for those of you who have got young kids, I'd encourage you to be intentional in bringing the Word of God into your family life. The the reality is that the more our society slides away from any kind of Christian values and morals and understanding, actually the more intentional parents, Christian parents need to be in helping their children understand the Word of God. If Christian parents don't do that, well, the next generation will just be swept away because the cultural tides are so strong. The need is greater now than it was when I was... A kid, and it's greater now than when my kids were small. Actually, the need gets greater for more intentionality of Christian parents helping their children to listen to and understand and apply God's word. The whole community listens. Next thing we see is that they needed preachers. Verse 7 the Levites read, making it clear, giving the meaning. What seems to have happened is that Ezra was reading the word and then he handed it over to other men to 
carry on reading. And this might have been related to kind of tag team preaching, which we sometimes do here, where somebody speaks for a while and then somebody else gets up and carries the thought on. Or it might have been that maybe Ezra was reading from the word and then they broke the people down into small groups for a while and the Levites went around explaining and teaching and applying it. Uh, The Levites were men who were properly qualified, called, selected and trained to teach and apply God's word. Here at Gateway, pretty much every time we gather on a Sunday, it will be one of the elders who is teaching, doing the public teaching of the word of God because we also believe that those who are preaching regularly should be those who are properly called and qualified and trained and equipped to do that. And as they read it, as they preached it, they explained it and applied it. And it's through preaching that understanding of the word of God comes. There are things in the Bible which are difficult to understand. And one of the things that preaching is meant to do is to help us to understand the things which are hard. It's our normal practice in church life to preach through whole books of the Bible. And when we do that, we don't skip the difficult verses. We seek to explain and apply them. We expect those who are preaching to do the hard yards of study and research so that they can then explain and apply God's word. So there's something which should happen in our minds as we read Scripture and as we hear it taught. But there's also an understanding, I think, which is more kind of internal, an understanding which happens in your guts, in your heart, in your spirit. And I think this was going on here as well, that the reality is that I have very little expectation that tomorrow morning you'll be able to remember all or perhaps even any of the points I have made this morning. But I have a great expectation that as the word is preached, there's an internal understanding that happens, that something happens in our spirits, that we are changed by the Word of God. We are shaped by the Word of God. And I think that's what's going on in this community. They grasped things, yes, in their minds. They understood God's Word in a new way, but they also understood it in their guts. And we need to be looking for that kind of life dynamic as we read the Word and hear it taught. There have been all kinds of different levels of knowledge and intellectual uh, ability and age in this crowd who were listening the word, but it says they all understood. They got it in their guts. We see next that the word convicts and it cheers. Verse 9, all the people had been weeping. And Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites said, do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. They went away to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. The people wept as they heard God's word read. Why? It's because as they heard the word, they were reminded of all their failings. They were reminded of how badly their ancestors had messed things up. The very reason why They'd got carted off to exile in Babylon, and they'd been reminded of how much they personally had failed, and they were reminded of how small and destitute they were compared with what God's plan for them had been. And so they wept as they heard the word read. And, you know, there are times when we should feel conviction through the word of God. I was listening to some teaching yesterday, and I felt convicted Uh, about some of my attitudes as the word of God was read and taught. Book of Hebrews, letter to the Hebrews says, the word of God is alive 
and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And we should be prepared. We should allow the word of God to get into us and at times convict us. At times we should weep as we read God's word. But the end purpose is to cheer us, to encourage us, to fortify us, to strengthen us. As Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And when these people understood the words correctly, they stopped their weeping and they had a party. Verse 12, all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. You know, actually preaching and um, Bible reading and food go together. Normally, normal church life, we spend a lot of time reading the Bible and teaching the Bible and studying the Bible, and we spend a lot of time eating together. And and that's how it should be. The Word of God and partying go together. It's why in normal church life, Sunday by Sunday, we'd celebrate the Lord's Supper together, that we come to the Word, and then we respond to the Word by coming to Jesus through the cup and the bread the blood and the wine as we eat and drink together. We internalize the word and feel its reality. And we're missing that at the moment as we're not able to do the things we'd normally do. People ate, drank, and rejoiced because they understood the words that had been made known to them. Now, all that happened as Ezra taught from the law of Moses. And when you read your Bible, probably the law of Moses are some of the more challenging books of the Bible to read. Often if people start to read uh, the Bible beginning in Genesis, often it's when you get to the book of Leviticus that things people stop reading the Bible because it's so challenging to read the law of Moses. That's what Ezra was reading, and that's what brought joy to the people. We... Now have a fuller revelation. Think of what the Apostle John says in his first letter. 1 John chapter 1. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. When we read and teach the written word, it all points to, and it's all about the living word, Jesus Christ, God made flesh. Now, John had seen Jesus and touched 
Jesus. And John says that we are to desire Jesus and listen to Jesus and hear Jesus preached and be convicted by Jesus and be cheered by Jesus because Jesus is life. Jesus is the word of life who is revealed to us through the words of Scripture. And when Ezra read the law and the Levites explained it, the people were filled with joy. And when we come to Jesus through Scripture, we're to find joy as well. That's what John says. I'm writing this so that our joy might be complete. And as we read Scripture, we're meant to understand. We're able to understand God's promises and his plan and his purpose. We're given a, a different telling of, of history through this book. We understand our origins. Why does a human race exist? What are we here for? We understand that we are made by God in his image to know him and be in relationship with him. We understand why the world is as it is. Why is the world so full of extraordinary beauty? Because it's made by a creator who is good and loving and beautiful and the outflow of his love and beauty and grace creates more beauty. And why is this beautiful world so marred by pain and ugliness and destruction? It's because of the rebellion of God's people, human beings made in his image to be like him and to know him who rejected him and have filled the earth with ugliness and brokenness. And we understand what, is, what God is doing about this, that he hasn't left us in our mess and our brokenness and our pain, but he chose a man, Abraham, and Abraham's descendants, and chose them as a people to live in covenant with him and demonstrate to the world what that looks like. And when they failed, God sent his son, Jesus, who perfectly fulfilled all the demands of the law and died in our place and carried our sins on the cross so that we can be reconciled to God and things can be made new. And now God is working through his people, the church in which his spirit dwells and who are being built into a spiritual house by the presence of God for God's glory that we might demonstrate to the world what it is to know and be in relationship with God. And we understand our destiny that the kingdom of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, and God will make all things new, and we will dwell with Christ forever on a world made perfect and good. That's what the Bible tells us. Why bother to read? Because in a crazy and often depressing world, we understand God, his plan, his purpose, his promises. We understand, we read, we read we understand. I particularly focused this morning on how we are to read and hear the word corporately when we're together. And, and that's so important. And often that's where the action really happens. It's as we come together and we read and teach and apply the word together. That's when we really know God at work amongst us. But obviously we should be reading the Bible on our own as well, as I do pretty much every morning. And the reality is that when we read the Bible, we're never alone. When I come down in the morning and open the Bible, even if nobody else is in the room, I'm never alone because I am connected, joined organically, spiritually to all God's people. I'm reading God's word with God's people wherever they are. One of the ways in which we put that into practical effect is through our community Bible reading groups where uh, groups of friends uh, agree to read the same scripture 
day by day together and then send messages around on WhatsApp about what they're reading and what they're learning and what they're applying. And we want to have a bit of a, a CBR refresh over the next couple of weeks. If you're in a community Bible reading group, which is growing well, brilliant, crack on, keep at it. If you fancy a change, a different group, or if you're not in a group at all, then uh, we're going to send out some information in the next few days to help with that. But we'd really encourage you, if you're not reading the Scripture with others in that way, to get into a little community Bible reading group and get into the Word of God more. And there's some things I'd encourage you to do by way of application from what we've been looking at this morning. The first thing is I'd encourage you to make a commitment to read some Scripture every day. might be that you're not even yet a follower of Jesus. I'd encourage you, read some scripture every day. Let it get into it. See what it says. Test it. Try it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend necessarily starting at Genesis and trying to read through to Revelation. Uh, Maybe start with the Gospel of Mark and just read a few verses each day from that. Make a commitment to do that. I'd also encourage each of us to look for opportunities to share scripture. If you're part of a community Bible reading group, That provides an easy mechanism to do that because we're sharing day by day. But at this time when we're having to maintain more physical distance from one another, there are all kinds of opportunities for us to connect in other ways. And so look for opportunities to share Scripture. Maybe call somebody up or write them a note. Or if you just bump into somebody, expect God to prompt you with words of Scripture which will strengthen and help people and encourage them. And I'd also encourage you to stir up your appetite for the Word of God and stir up your appetite for the preaching of the Word of God. There's there's so much noise in the world at the moment. It can really dull our appetite for what is good. These people in this story in Nehemiah, they'd had lots of noise in their lives and they chose this moment to come away together and to hear God's word. They deliberately took themselves away from all the other hassles and issues they were facing. And we need to do that. I found myself earlier this week, I had to make a conscious decision. I need to turn down the noise of the world. I found just there's so much the whole time with what's going on at the moment. How many coronavirus cases today? How many people have died today? What's Boris up to today? What's Trump up to today? What's Hancock up to today? God knows what any of them are up to. God have mercy on us with whatever they're up to and just the noise of it so constant and all the time and having to consciously say I need to dial down the volume of the noise of the world and actually focus a little bit more on the word of God and I'd encourage you to do that as well just to turn down the noise read the words let it speak to your heart and stir up hunger for what is good we can just fill ourselves with What in the end is junk food, a junk diet, which won't bring us life, just brings us more stress and anxiety. Let's stir up hunger for God's words. Through it, we know fellowship with the words of life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. I thank you for scripture given to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the word of life. Word of God made flesh come amongst us, and that as we read Scripture, we, as we read the words of Scripture, we're reading about you, the Word of life. I pray for us, Lord. I pray for us as a church that we really would be centered, grounded on what 
your word teaches us. I pray that we'd have a hunger for the word, we'd pay attention, that we'd understand. And there would be a strength, there'd be a resilience amongst us because we're people who are founded on God's truth, revealed in God's words. I pray that we'd know joy in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I pray that we'd know that as we hear your word read, as we listen to its teaching, as we believe it and apply it in our lives. In your name I ask it, King Jesus. Amen.